Hello, and welcome to The Mastering Show. My name is Ian Shepard. I'm a mastering engineer, and I run the production advice website, where I help you get better results recording, mixing, and mastering your music. And with me again this week is my co-host, John Tidy from Rupablog.net. John, I hope you're well. I'm doing very well. How's it going, guys? And this week, the topic is minus 14 LUFS. Or not. <laughs> or not. Exactly. Um, everybody seems to be talking about minus 14 LUFS, and there is a reason for that. But the question in this episode is, should they be? And if not, why not? If they should, why should they? So I get lots of people messaging me or commenting on things that I've posted online saying, look, I mastered my stuff to minus 14 LUFS, but when Spotify played it, they still turned it down by two or three dBs. You know, what's going on? And that's the, the question we want to answer in this episode. Yeah, so we're just going to kind of dive into this particular number. We've talked about LUFS, this method of measuring loudness, um, and we're not going to go back over that ground, um, but there's kind of some specific areas of confusion that I'm seeing a lot right now that I think uh, it would be good to address. Should, should we start off with, with just a, a brief explanation of LUFS if, if this is someone's first show? Yeah, good idea. So loudness units, full scale. Uh, loudness units, pretty self-explanatory. It's a method of measuring loudness. Um, and it's pretty similar to a method that lots of people are familiar with called RMS. Um, we could talk a bit more about RMS in a bit, but the the kind of the selling point of LUFS is that they have attempted to take into consideration the sensitivity of our ears to different frequency ranges. So most of us know that the you know the the frequency kind of around two kilohertz, that upper mid range, which is the frequency that our kids whine at when they want something or if they're really scared, which is why we're evolved to pay attention to it, um, is in that frequency range. So sounds in the frequency range will sound louder to us usually than, for example, really high frequency sounds or really low frequency sounds. Um, so that means we have a different opinion about how loud something is depending on what its frequency content is amongst a ton of other things. And the LUFS scale tries to take that into consideration. And the reason it's important, particularly these days, is because online streaming services are measuring loudness in various ways, and they're turning really loud stuff down to stop people being unexpectedly blasted by changes in level. And the reason that the minus 14 number keeps coming up is because it's a really common uh, reference level that these online streaming services are using. Um, most recently, YouTube switched to using minus 14 LUFS, and I think we should insert a record scratch sound effect at this point, because you could well be listening to this thinking, wait a minute, I thought they already used minus 14 LUFS as a reference level. Uh, the answer to that is actually no. And if you want to find out why, keep listening. The online streaming services are using minus 14 as a reference level. So if your song is louder than that, they will reduce the level to approximately minus 14. And lots of people are using that fact and aiming for minus 14 as a target. That's not what we recommend. We're not going to talk about it in this episode. In fact, we did a whole show on it, episode 52. Don't aim for LUFS targets online if you're interested in why I'm saying you shouldn't use minus 14 or any other LUFS number as a target for your 
mastering loudness. And we've also talked about what you should do instead if you would if you're interested in that. And if that's the case, then check out episode 60. And there's also a blog post I uh, wrote called How Loud Online. Um, we'll put the link to that in the show notes at themasteringshow.com. Okay, so why is this show different than that one? Okay, because as I mentioned, of the confusion that I'm seeing out there. Um, and I th- maybe I kind of kick this off by uh, making the point that, yes, YouTube used to not use LUFS to measure their loudness. Spotify still don't. When I say that, lots of people kind of get confused and start saying, yes, they do, look. And they point me at the FAQ page where it talks about minus 14 LUFS. And uh, that's the kind of the confusion that I want to clear up. Um, So again, if you want to know why that's not the case, keep listening. Okay, so what's the point of using LUFS if the streaming services aren't using this themselves? Um, Like, what does it matter if if there's differences between the different platforms? Excellent question. (laughs) Um, I mean, the first thing I should say is we shouldn't use it as a target. But just because we're not using it as a target doesn't mean that it's not useful um, and interesting. And I would say the main reason that you need to understand this stuff is that if you do use LUFS to measure your music's loudness um, and expect to understand what's going to happen online, then you could end up being surprised. Um, So to use the kind of the most common example... Spotify doesn't use LUFS right now. They have said they're going to in future, um, but at this point they're using something called replay gain, which is uh, a different method of measuring loudness. And the reason it's important is that if you, for some songs, well, I mean, for most material, if you measure it using replay gain and LUFS, you're going to get a similar result. So that's the first thing to say is is they're, they're broadly comparable, but not always. And uh, sometimes you will measure a song using replay gain, which is the Spotify system, uh, and it will actually end up being played back significantly quieter than you would expect based on the LUFS target. So if we're using LUFS and they're using replay gain, when we upload it, we should expect similar results, but sometimes we're not. Can you go into why those two are different? Yeah, absolutely. It, I think the, the the most important thing to say is that LUFS is just one way of measuring loudness. I kind of mentioned it earlier on. It's, I mean, it's a good way of measuring loudness, I have to say. I've heard people criticize it and say that it's not effective, but in my tests, it, it really is pretty close to what my ears tell me. I mean, it doesn't work for everything. You will, there are always some outliers where, you know, you measure something, you think, well, it sounds way louder and the numbers aren't kind of reflecting that. But I think maybe 90 and 95% of material, it's, it's a good method. Um, it's also an internationally agreed standard. Um, and that never happens. <laughs> well, that never happens. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, and and it, was, it was driven by uh, legal requirements, in fact, for broadcast in the US. And we did an episode where we talked about the history of that, where we interviewed Elko Grimm. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, if anybody's interested. Um, yeah, just because it's internationally agreed and a pretty good method doesn't mean it's the only way of measuring things. So the, I mean, there are a ton of different ways of measuring loudness, but the four really common ones are VU level, which goes back to, you know, that's the old style needle meters that you used to see on tape decks and mixing desks, analog mixing desks. 
Um, RMS, which I mentioned earlier, RMS stands for root mean squared, and it's a kind of more, it's similar to VU, but usually used digitally um, because it's a much more mathematical way of displaying it, although you can get analog meters for that as well. And then there's replay gain, which is the system that Spotify uses, which I think was one of the first widely adopted loudness normalization standards. Um, I think that's um, probably one of the first ones that I've heard of. Yeah, it, it, it was around way before, you know, it, it's, I, I'm sure when Spotify decided, okay, we need loudness normalization, they picked it because it was their kind of open source ready for them to, to use, you know, it had already been developed, people were already using it really successfully. Yeah, it's probably what, what was in uh, Winamp or something like that, like so long ago. Exactly, yeah, it's uh, kind of... I, I don't. I guess it was developed by the by the online community. Um, I don't actually know the history of it. Um, could be interesting to find out. But um, it's a, certainly a pretty effective method, although it does have some weaknesses that maybe we could touch on. Um, but uh, the other one I wanted to mention was um, sound check, which is the method used by Apple, um, which, uh, like most things Apple related, is proprietary. Um, so we don't know exactly how that works. Um, we've got a pretty good idea the loudness penalty site does a does a pretty good job of of estimating what the results will be um but so you've got those four methods and they're all they all do it in slightly different ways i mentioned the different eq curves um that they might apply to the measurements to try and reflect how our ears hear loudness another important um difference particularly for replay gain which is important because spotify use it is that replay gain pays attention to the loudest five percent of your song so if any song that you're working on hits a particular loudness level for five percent of its running time or more spotify is going to weight that very heavily in the loudness estimation so you could have a song that was really pretty quiet throughout and if it has one really loud section spotify will pay a lot of attention to that loud section and therefore the whole thing will get turned down to reflect that short loud section whereas if you take an integrated LUFS measurement, which means uh, uh, an LUFS reading of the whole song has the same purpose, uh, that reading will pay less attention to that loud section. It's kind of more forgiving in that sense, if you like, of short moments of higher loudness. And so what you'll find there is that the LUFS value and the replay game value for how loud the song is will be different. So they're just two different opinions about how loud that song is. But that explains why this thing that people ask me about is happening. If you master your song at minus 14 LUFS, for example, I'm not saying you should, but just using it as a, as a helpful example, but it has a short section that lasts more than 5% of the running time where it goes right up to, say, I don't know, minus 10 or minus 8, Spotify is going to use the replays gain system and decide that actually, because of that short loud section, it should be turned down quite a bit whereas the LUFS value won't do the same thing. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And the other thing is none of these systems actually turn down on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. It's not compression. It's analysis and then a straight gain change. Yeah, good point. It's a gain change, and it's applied to the whole song. So kind of going back to the example of a song that's generally quite quiet with a short loud section, if you think what's going to happen to that when Spotify plays it back normalized, they're going to turn it down... Maybe they might turn it down 3 dBs more than YouTube would, which uses the LUFS system these days. It's not the overall loudness that matters, it's how loud it is in comparison to everything else. So if you compared that song to a song that was loud all the way through, 
Overall, they'll be turned down to a similar loudness as far as replay gain is concerned, but because the whole song has been turned down because of that short, loud section, the intro might be uh, underwhelming. Yeah, even quieter. Exactly, even quieter, in comparison to other similar stuff that's around. Let's say you had a similar track that didn't have that super loud section, or the the loud section wasn't as loud. Um, So if that's a problem that you've experienced you need to listen to episode 60, (laughs) because in that show, I describe a strategy for dealing with that uh, that doesn't involve just compressing the hell out of the whole song. Spotify does recommend that you use an LUFS meter and hit a certain target or not a target. They do recommend uploading songs that have a certain loudness range, let's say, using LUFS. Um, Why would they say that if they're not using that system on their own site? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, and I actually think it's, it's I, I do understand why they did it. And I think, but I think it's a little bit of a shame uh, or it, certainly it's causing some confusion. So I'm actually going to call up that page and just read what it says. So if you go to artists.spotify.com forward slash FAQ forward slash mastering hyphen and hyphen loudness, and we'll put that link on the show notes page. Um, there's some useful stuff here, like how do I master my song, blah, 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 blah. One of the questions is, will Spotify play my track at the level that it's mastered? It says, not always. This is because Spotify allows loudness normalization to the tracks as they're played to listeners. So they're turning loud stuff down so we don't get blasted. Um, And then it says, mastering tips for Spotify. Target the loudness level of your master at minus 14 dB integrated LUFS. And that's the bit that people are looking at and getting confused by, I think. But if you then click the question immediately below that that says, how does Spotify calculate loudness? It says, we currently use replay gain which was the most recognized standard for calculating loudness when Spotify first started. In the future, we plan to use the new standard for calculating loudness called ITU1770, uh, which basically means LUFS. And that's what we recommend you use to measure the loudness of your tracks. And I think this answers a question that you asked earlier on as well. The reason to use LUFS, even if the streaming service you're interested in or the, whatever it might be that you're interested in in terms of loudness, doesn't use LUFS, is because it's an international standard and it's probably the best method. It's what we have available to us in the DAW. So Yeah, I mean, you can, you can get, um, there's a replay gain plugin for Audacity, I think, that, which is a free digital audio, uh, piece of digital audio software that you can download. Um, but yeah, there are a ton of LUFS meters. I mean, it, it's built in to most workstations these days. You know, you can get in Pro Tools and Cubase and Logic and all the rest of them. Um, so it's super convenient. To my ear, it is more reliable than replay gain. You know, t- uh, again, I understand kind of why they designed replay gain the way that they did. But for me, if I'm balancing the loudness of a track, just because a song has a really loud section, I don't want it to be way quieter than everything else. I want that short loud section to be louder. Um, and you know, exactly how much is that's kind of a question of taste and comes down to the the mastering decisions. But so I think LUFS is the best method we have of measuring it again if i don't know how you would measure an online the output of an online streaming service via a replay gain meter um well you could use the loudness penalty plugin i guess (laughs) (laughs) that was genuinely not intended to be a plug we'll come back to loudness penalty later on um but yeah there i mean the point is there aren't a ton of real-time replay gain meters you could use rms or you know, one of the other methods that we have for measuring loudness, but they're not going to be as effective 
as LEOFS. What Spotify is saying basically is if you put a loudness meter on Spotify with loudness normalization on and the default setting of normal, which is how it comes out of the box, and best information I has is that 95% of people leave it that way, over time, you're going to see a level of minus 14 LEOFS. But when you look at individual songs inside that, they might be above or below it because on average, it's minus 14. I mean, Spotify, have, that's what they're aiming for themselves. Uh, but the individual differences be between different songs mean that the replay gain values sometimes give you something different. So you can't use that as a way of predicting how loud exactly your music is going to sound when you hear it online. And I think that's probably the root of the confusion is, you know, there's a difference between the way that we choose to measure stuff and the way that the decisions are made online um, or on lots of broadcasters these days use LUFS, but some of them still don't. So again, you, you can use LUFS as an overall estimate, um, but it's not always going to give you accurate results uh, song by song. And I mean, just in case anybody thinks I'm kind of being unnecessarily picky about this, it's not just a theoretical concern. I've seen mainstream major releases where Spotify will play the song back as much as three dBs lower than you would hear on YouTube. And that's a big difference. You know, that's going to really affect the, especially the beginning of the song. First impressions count. And when you move from one song that's been normalized at one level, and then you hear your song and the intro sounds three dBs lower than you expected it to because of the LUFS measurement that you made, that can be a big deal. I guess another reason why they would choose a number like minus 14 is that um, they're, they don't want you to just re go for extreme loudness or anything like that. They might actually have, you know, the, they might be on the other side of the loudness war. They, they want dynamics and and they don't want everything to sound crushed and distorted because often with lossy compression, that sounds even worse, right? Yeah. I mean, so I started off not agreeing with you and I ended up agreeing with you. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't um, actually think that Spotify or Tidal or anybody else at the streaming services has any kind of hidden agenda of, of how people should make their music sound. Right. Most of them are using lossy data compression to reduce the file size of the files that we stream whilst retaining most of the audio quality. And that's a good thing, except particularly if the peak levels are very high. We've been talking about loudness a lot, but you know the DAWs also measure the good old-fashioned peak level. Just tells you where the, where the top of the waveform uh, is getting to uh, as the music plays. When you apply pretty much any processing to audio and the peaks are right up at zero, usually the, the results of that processing will change the peak level of the audio, and that can result in peak levels that go above zero. And when we're in a DAW or saved to a floating point format in a file, that's fine because uh, that information is retained. But as soon as it gets played back further downstream, or in particular, as soon as it gets decoded, since we're talking about streaming services, those extra peaks can get clipped straight off. So you can end up introducing extra distortion. So if you want to get the cleanest possible encodes when you're submitting your music to Spotify and all the rest of it, I mean, again, Spotify's FAQ recommends uh, minus one dB true peak, which is the modern method of measuring true peak levels. And they even say if the loudness is above minus 14, then you should consider not peaking above minus two. 
because I kind of have another detail of this process. And again, this is something we've talked about on other shows, but ironically, the higher you push the loudness, the closer um, in terms of peak level, the more those peak levels change when you apply processing like lossy data encoding. So the higher those levels on decoding are likely to peak levels on decoding are likely to get above zero and the more clipping distortion you're likely to add. So yeah, to get a nice clean encode, which is obviously what the streaming companies would like because they want the best fidelity for the for the music they're supplying. Um, again, there's an argument for not pushing the music super loud. doesn't mean you don't have to master your music super loud. If you want a really, really dense, uh, heavily limited sound, then by all means go for it. But consider reducing the level by a couple of dBs when you submit it to the streaming services so that the uh, encoders don't have to work as hard and you get a cleaner result. Was that okay? <laughs> I like it. Um, so they may not have the hidden agenda of of changing the way you produce your music, but by putting the recommendations on there, they may have actually done that, at least to a few artists. They may have reduced the intensity of the mastering. Yeah, I think that's possible. And I mean, it, so it, this is a bit of a tangent, but it raises another interesting question which is, so I worked with Metaplugs to develop the Loudness Penalty website um, well over a year ago now, maybe two years. I forget how long it's been. Um, and the point was to help with all of this confusion, right? All of the stuff we're talking about, all of these details, all of these nuances. You know, I mean, the good news is if you want to know how loud your music is going to be when it gets played back online, you can just go to loudnesspenalty.com and analyze the music for free. And it will tell you exactly how much the level will be changed on uh, currently seven different streaming sites. I actually um, used it today. Excellent. Uh, because one of our friends' podcast was very quiet in iTunes. I was like, hmm, what's going on here? And I dropped it into Loudness Penalty website um, because it was a an hour-long show. It took a little bit of time to process, but it showed me that, oh, there it is. It's like 12, 13 dB too quiet. Way to go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's actually quite a lot. Yeah, okay, twelve or thirteen dBs. That's that's worth knowing. Yeah, it said plus twelve. I'm like, what? <laughs> I had to I had to read the 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 details like three times to understand. Like, oh yeah, they they really messed that up. But uh, <laughs> it was a little bit quiet. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure they've noticed by now and fixed it. Um, just as a brief tangent, I'm very pleased that it worked with a file that long because the one limitation of the website is that it does rely on the amount of memory that the browser has available to it. So if you throw out a super long file, it may not uh, give you a result. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a classic example. And, you know, uh, I use it as well. I, I, don't, I don't use it while I'm mastering typically, but kind of at the point where I'm happy with the sound and I think everything is working, I will usually, I mean, I, I have the plug-in version, I bring it up and just on that final listen through, just out of interest more than anything, see how it's going to be affected. And one of the things, incidentally, that I look for is exactly what we've been talking about in this show, which is the difference between what's going to happen to it on YouTube and on Spotify. Um, what I tend to find usually is that I think because of the the way that I master with a balanced EQ and you know the, the, the guidelines that we've talked about often on the show, um, usually those values are pretty close. They might be um, half a dB different or something. That, that doesn't concern me. But sometimes you will see something where, particularly Spotify, as we've been talking about, will turn things down quite a bit more. And at that point, then I want to start using the preview function 
on, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you use the plugin or the website, but the, to start comparing that file with other material that's out there um, to check that I'm happy with it. It's, you know, I mean, people get upset about the loudness penalty website because, because they think people are aiming for targets. You don't want to do that. You should master the music to sound the best that it can. And then if the level gets adjusted a little bit online, that's no big deal. But it is interesting to know if you have a song, let's say it's being turned down by 2dbs on YouTube, which I'd be quite comfortable with for, for a really loud song. But then on Spotify, it's being turned down by 4dbs. Then think about a similar song where actually both services are giving you a similar value. So they're both only turned down by 2dbs. That means that when you listen to the first song that's being turned down more on Spotify in comparison to the second one, which isn't being turned down as much, and they're supposed to sound similar, the song is going to sound a couple of dBs quieter. That might be important to you. It might not. You know, I mean, depending on what the material is and what your goals are, maybe you don't care. But lots of people do care. And I think that's where it's really valuable to understand how these numbers are working, because there might be something that you can do to help with that to get the best of both worlds. You might be able to just tweak the the, the overall dynamic structure of the song or maybe some of the EQ balances or whatever it might be um, to get those numbers more similar, get a more consistent result across the, each of the services. Um, and yeah, if loudness is important to you, that's going to be valuable for you. Again, episode 60, if you want to find out the, the strategy that I would recommend for dealing with situations like that, is worth a listen. Just circling back to... We, we, we moved off on a tangent to talk about loudness penalty because that kind of is an easy way for people to get information on all of these things. But one of the reactions that I've seen from people to the site and to me talking about reference levels online in general um, is yeah, yeah getting really annoyed because they're saying we shouldn't be aiming for numbers. You know, we shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't use anything as a target. It's just do what's best for the music. Um, and that's the end result. And in particular, some people are saying aiming for minus 14, for example, will actually get in the way of getting the right musical result for you. You know, there are some musical genres that need to be super loud, super limited and super crushed. And if you don't aim for those, if you aim for minus 14 instead, you're never going to get the sound you're looking for. So fair. Well, I was, I was, <laughs> I was going to say I have. I mean, yes and no, right? I, I agree with part of that, but not other parts of it. We started out by saying don't use these numbers as targets, so I agree with that. And I also agree that you should do what's right for the music and make the music sound right. You know, not make the numbers look right. I completely agree with that as well. Yeah, I mean, it like you can consider the website to be like a measuring tape. Like it gives you the data. You can choose. <laughs> to measure twice and cut once or not. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. <laughs> Absolutely. I, th I think that's, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a tool just like a loudness meter or a VU meter or an RMS meter or whatever, whatever, all of these things, they're, they're helpful in some ways. You have to learn how to use them. You have to learn how to interpret them. You have to know when to pay attention to the numbers they give you and when not to, you know, I'm comfortable with minus two, loudness penalty on YouTube for loud stuff, maybe minus three for really loud stuff. But if, for me, if I see a result of minus six, I'm feeling like, well, pff, you know, maybe I can back off that a bit and, and make use of some of the extra peak headroom that's available. But the, and, and I also agree that, you know, certain genres need an aggressive, dense, highly compressed, 
more heavily limited sound or or benefit from that uh, in terms of achieving the end result. I think there's diminishing returns with that as well. So like you, that can be too far and start to make it sound worse. And you can use a tool like loudness penalty to like, cause like you said, the louder it is, the more it's going to be turned down on the streaming platforms. And if you want consistency from track to track, it's good to know how things are going to stack up. Yeah, absolutely. And well, I know from my own experience when I'm mastering, there's a sweet spot. We've talked about it many times before. Stuff needs to be loud enough, but not too loud. I mean, little brief tangent, that's another thing that might happen. If you find that your music uh, is getting positive loudness penalty scores, meaning that the streaming services, some of them might want to turn it up, then you might consider actually mastering it a little bit louder so that you're in control of that process and can get the level to where you're happy or the, the streaming services kind of playing with it in the way that you want um, with you applying the processing rather than Spotify applying the processing, for example, because they will use a limiter to turn quieter stuff up. Again, we've talked about that before. It's a whole kind of rabbit hole. I don't want to go too far down that. I want to come back to that yes and no answer that I gave you earlier. So far, everything I agree with. What I don't agree with is that minus 14 is necessarily wrong. I do see people going, you can't master the minus 14. That's crazy. It won't work. And I just strongly disagree with that. I mean, to pick a couple of examples off the top of my head, uh, the latest Tool album, which uh, has had rave reviews, people love it. I mean, some people also hate it, but a ton of people think it's fantastic and sounds amazing. Overall, that album was mastered at minus 14 LUFS. Um, I'm a huge fan of the, uh, I guess, techno electronica band Underworld. Um, showing my age maybe, but I just, they're a fantastic band. They're one of my favorite bands. Their new album Actually, I think it maybe even might be a little bit quieter. It sounds incredible, especially for stuff that's varied. I quite often find that overall an album will come out around minus 14 for me if it has some quieter songs on as well as some loud stuff. I mean, if it's, you know, full tilt all the way through, then it's probably going to come out louder. But then again, I master at fairly conservative levels uh, by modern standards. But so do, you know, a ton of other albums that have been hugely successful. Um, so don't aim for these numbers as targets, do what's right musically, but also if you can get the sound that you're happy with at minus 14 LUFS, then do it. Don't let anybody tell you that's the wrong thing to do or that you're never going to be successful as a mastering engineer or your music's never going to be successful if you master at minus 14, because that's just as wrong as any other kind of blanket guideline, you know, that everybody tells you you must follow this rule or that's just not how it works. Um, and actually, the, the last thing I've been thinking of mentioning for a few episodes now to say, I think, is there have been a couple of examples in the last year where my clients have been challenging me. I have delivered a master at, you know, they, they send in the files, I take a listen, I do my thing. I do what I think is right for the music and I get it as loud as I can into that sweet spot without uh, pushing it too far. And I've had clients say, you know, it sounds great, but can we hear it? just, you know, a little bit more dynamic. And, you know, one of the things about being a mastering engineer is you always think you know what's right um, for the music you're being given. It's kind of a part of the job description, if you like, is to have an opinion. So when somebody challenges on me on that, quite often my first reaction is, well, well, no, I did what I think is best. Obviously it's the best. But 
two or three albums this year, um, the pl- clients have been, you know, really polite and and friendly about it, but have asked me to do that experiment. And so what that means is I've had to increase the reference mastering level that I'm using. You know, something we've talked about often on the show is having a particular mastering level that you work at so that, you, that, so that your ears kind of calibrate to the results that you're getting. If somebody wants something to measure lower, in order for it to sound the right level to me when I master it, I need to turn the monitoring up a dB or two or three. And when I do that, there's a kind of an adjustment process because I'm changing the way that I work. But the end result is this stuff sounds amazing. I mean, it, you know, I'm always banging on about dynamics. Um, and I'm discovering that even compared to what I normally do, I'm really enjoying the benefits of backing off even further. So, you know, I mean, come in full circle, I, I don't think anybody at the streaming services or anywhere else has an agenda to encourage people to make music sound more dynamic. But if that happens to be a byproduct of all of this, my experience is it's only going to be for the benefit of the music. Because if you want all those, the super dense, super limited, super distorted sounds that some genres kind of that come with it, you can still achieve that stuff at lower loudness levels. Um, you just use a little bit less limiting. I mean, it, and I, I just, I would challenge anybody who thinks out there, I can't get the sound that this genre needs at minus 14. I would challenge you. Measure the current level that you're working at. Let's say you, you've got an integrated loudness of minus 10. Just restructure your, your monitoring path so you've got 4 dBs more gain in the monitoring. That means you'll have to pull everything back because it's going to sound too loud. Do that before the limiter, give you a little bit self, a little bit more space to work and really kind of, you know, uh, commit to the process of can I, can I get this to sound right at minus 14? My experience is you absolutely can and it will sound better. Okay. I'll put my soapbox away. <laughs> I, I think it's hilarious that uh, that you, as a, a strong leader in the loudness war, have um, have been challenged to make your mixes more or your masters more dynamic. That's amazing. I know, absolutely. And you know, and they were right. And they were right. right? Exactly. Yeah. It's you know. So and and that just teaches me that. Because, you know, I, I was in this race along with everybody else, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. I felt the pressure as much as anybody. You see the the loudness of everybody else's masters going up. You put the reference on. You go, well, mine doesn't kick as hard. And you get tempted to experiment with that stuff yourself. Um, what I found was at a certain point, it was like, no, I'm not happy with going any further. It's, you know, I, I just the law of diminishing returns, like you said, is... I'm not comfortable going any louder with that. And that was where, and I kind of stuck at that personal threshold level. And now kind of coming out the other side of it, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe actually that was a bit high. Maybe I should be backing off a little bit more, especially when I hear stuff like the Underworld album. Uh, I'm just thinking it sounds beautiful. Uh, Anyway. Besides loudness penalty, are there any other tools that can be helpful for this, um, you know, this sort of stuff? There's one you told me about, a little while ago, that's an, another offline LUFS uh, tool, but I can't remember what it's called. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think overall it's LUFS meters. I mean, you, there is a replay gain uh, plugin for Audacity, as I mentioned. Um, it's possible that you might be able to adapt that plugin to work with other DAWs, maybe. Uh, well, Reaper has some extensions, right, that allow you to uh, quickly measure loudness. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But I do think sticking with LUFS makes sense because, because if nothing else, I think it's the future. I think, you know, even though I mean, Spotify have said they intend at some point to, to move to using LUFS as well. And I'm sure the, all the other streaming services, because they all do this stuff slightly differently, apart from Amazon Tidal and YouTube now. Um, so that's going to become the standard more and more. Uh, you can uh, use Isotope RX to measure LUFS, you know, to kind of load up a bunch of files. NewGen makes some great automated tools for normalizing large quantities of files. Uh, the, I think the one you're thinking of is a free utility with a, a really memorable name. It's R128X hyphen GUI, uh, which is a Mac utility. Yes. Um, it's a, but it's actually really useful because you can just drag a whole bunch of files in and it'll chug away and give you a list with the, the loudnesses of all of them. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have that installed in this computer apparently but i have used it a couple times in the past and yeah super useful just to like just as like a a, another quality check or something like that just to make sure that like what you're seeing in the daw before you export is the same as as what comes out and you can also see like how things change with um uh, after you do the mp3 versions of the masters so uh, super helpful stuff. Yeah, because it also t- it t- tells you the true peak levels. So, for example, if you had some stuff that was really pretty loud and it was going to introduce those extra peak levels that we talked about during the MP3 encoding process, if you drop the MP3s in, you will see true peak levels above zero on those files, and that might be an indication to you that you want to tweak something uh, on the way in to get a cleaner result because those could clip when they're decoded. That's a great point. Uh, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And maybe you could also put a link to the, uh, are they called extensions for Reaper? The SWS extension has a loudness analysis tool. It does use LUFS or LU. After analysis, you can normalize if you need to. Yep. So we'll put we'll put links uh, to all of this stuff on the show notes at themasteringshow.com. And let's uh, finish up with a mastering maxim. Learn to understand LUFS, but don't rely on them. Thank you, John, for helping me. I mean, it's, you know, it, it sh- this should be quite a simple topic, um, but th- there's always little details that come up and uh, get in the way and, and make things more interesting. So uh, I hope people will find this helpful and not, not confusing. Um, so thanks for your help with this and for editing the show as always. Thanks to Kaylee Law for letting us use his music every episode and thanks for listening